You're listening to the Timony Leader Series podcast, brought to you by Timony Leadership Institute. Good afternoon. Welcome to our Timony Leader Series. My name is Ronan O'Farrell, CEO of Timony Leadership Institute. And you're very welcome to our Leader Series interview with Niraj Kapoor. Niraj is author of not just one, but two Amazon best-selling books, Everybody Works in Sales, and The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners, which uh, was published, I think, just at the start of this pandemic. Niraj was born and raised in Northern Ireland to Indian parents and lived in England for over 25 years, but is now back in Belfast. He's trained, trained large corporates like Barclays and Sainsbury's, and countless SMEs on sales strategies and techniques and selling with integrity. I was uh, fortunate to be introduced to Niraj by one of our Timony alumni, Michael Burke of Burke Systems and Solutions in Belfast. So thank you, Michael, for that introduction. And delighted to welcome you, Niraj, and thank you for for joining us on the the Timony Leaders Series. Great to have you here. Um, Before we, we dive in and, and, uh, and get talking. Just to those listening live, if you would like to ask uh, Niraj a question, please use the, the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. And if we get time, we will, of course, uh, air them. Good. Well, before getting into talking about sales, uh, Niraj, I was reading your, your top tips for 2021. And first up on the list, uh, I noticed you had take care of your mental health. And you had some very practical tips there, things to do and, and not to do. Can you can you expand a little bit on that and how important a, a positive mindset is? Well, 100%. And, and thank you so much for the warm welcome. It's so great to be here, Ronan. Um, people vastly underestimate the importance of mindset. I, I think during lockdown, people have really started to understand what mental health is. Before that, people kind of vaguely knew it. Mm-hmm. But people who are having to work at home, especially those homeschooling as well, which many of us have had to do, it's exhausting and it's tiring. And also with the greatest respect, it's boring working at home, it's tedious, we're missing human contact. So many of us are struggling with mental health. Many of us are getting frustrated much easier. I'm seeing tempers flare much easier in business negotiations because people are just frustrated. They want lockdown to end, they all wanna get back into the real world. So you gotta really protect your mindset at all times. And I always say you achieve so much more in life with a positive mindset. You don't really achieve much with a cynical or negative mindset. In fact, you achieve very little with a negative mindset, but you achieve so much with a positive mindset and all day long, you got to protect it. So one of the first things I do when I work with my clients, especially business owners who are super stressed because they're running a job, they're worried about the premises or thinking of staff. Are they going to be on furlough? Do I keep them? Do I, you know, do I get rid of them? Business owners are going through a lot at the moment and people who don't have, businesses but work for somebody else are often thinking well have I got a job in three months time or six months time so people are going through a lot at the moment and a lot of people are concerned about the future so you're really going to take care of your mindset and one of the first things you got to do is have an amazing morning routine so I always say first thing in the morning please do two things sorry please never check your email and second thing is never check the news and we all do it by default some of us even do both but please please don't don't check your email. You're giving your day away to somebody else. Don't check the news. There's never much on there that's positive. Just wake up in a state of gratitude for a few moments, being grateful for all the simple little things you have. 
And then as soon as you do that, just get your body moving. Go cycling, go running, go do hit exercise, do you know, hot yoga, whatever it is. I go for a 20-minute walk every morning, no matter what. Uh, I come back, my mind is fresh, and I'm thinking about my day and who am I going to help, who am I going to serve, who am I going to give value to. And then I sit down and I'll do my personal development reading. And then I'll do my most tough, difficult job of the day. And then around about nine o'clock, quarter past nine, that's when I reply to emails. So my mind, I literally, by the time I sit at my desk and start work, I've been for a morning walk. I've been in a state of gratitude. I haven't checked any emails. I've done my best work. It means I'm on fire. And that's really important, that positivity and that attitude and that drive in the morning. It just, it just sets you up for a really good day ahead, Ronan. And, and uh, how does that continue on then in, in lunchtime? Do you, do you get to news at some point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite strict about the news. I just avoid Stay it. Stay away from it. I, I really do. At lunchtime, I was saying to you before we started, I always go for a walk for half an hour because I've done, you know, I've been at my desk for four hours working really intensely. Mm. So again, I switch my phone off. Sometimes I even leave it at home and I drive to the local castle grounds. I just walk around in nature. I'll often maybe grab a coffee as well, but I just walk around in nature. And it's so lovely and it's so relaxing. Yeah, very good. And I come back home and then I'll maybe go onto social media for 10 or 15 minutes, check my Facebook, check my Instagram, you know, just catch up with the world a bit. Yeah. But not really, I don't, I don't get too addicted to it because I have more important things to do. I'm busy serving my clients. Yeah. I'm busy growing my business. I'm busy doing my charity work. I have family commitments. Social media, apart from LinkedIn, social media is a bottom of my concerns. That after the bottom of my concerns comes news and <laughs> news is the very end. And in all fairness, I live with my parents who are both retired. They spend so much time watching the news. I just get the highlights from them at the end of the day anyway. So yeah. it's fine. They watch news for me. Um, personal news service. Very good. <laughs> Literally a personal news service. That's all they do all day. Well, the title of one of your books, and I see it there perched up behind you, is Everybody Works in Sales. And it reminds me of the title of another book by um, Daniel Pink's to sell as human. Ah, uh, yeah, I like that. It's a good book. Yeah, and this idea that, that we're all selling. So can, can you tell us what, what you mean by that? Most people aren't aware they're selling all day, but you have to be. And what, what I mean by that is, uh, let me give you some good life examples. So I chose a new accountant recently when I moved back to Northern Ireland. That accountant, I spoke to three different accountants, that, that accountant I chose was the most persistence. He made the most effort. And persistence and effort is a brilliant sales skill. Uh, whenever I got divorced two years ago, I had to find a good divorce lawyer. I chose someone who was caring and who listened to my needs. And caring about your customers, listening to people's needs. Listening is one of the great sales and business skills you can have. Um, and just listening, persistence, caring. All these things are very important. Persuasion. People don't realize these are all sales skills and they're skills you have to use every day in the office, whether you're dealing internally with your colleagues or whether you're dealing externally with your staff. Persistence, listening, asking good questions, having emotional intelligence, not reacting to bad things happening around you. It's not what happens to you in life. It's how you deal with the stuff that happens to you. So all these things are really important. And these are all sales skills. But most people don't think of it that way. When you mention the word sales to people, they just cringe. You know, when I go to networking events, I don't. I used to say I'm a sales coach. And people would often make what I would call a constipated face. You know, like, 
oh, okay. <laughs> and sometimes we go, look, I don't need any coaching. I said, I'm not offering you any coaching. You know, people get quite defensive when the word sales in your title. So when I go to networking events, people say, what do you do? I say, I'm a best-selling author. <laughs> I literally tell them I'm an author because it puts them at ease. And they think, oh, you've written two books. Oh, very well done. What are they? You know, and it's a different kind of conversation. But the word sales does make people quite uncomfortable sometimes. It just does, yeah. um, especially in the UK and Ireland. People are just a bit more cautious about it, I think. They don't like being sold to as much as, say, the Americans. So it's interesting. Country to country, it's different. But in the UK and Ireland, certainly, people are a little more reserved when it comes to sales. sales. Yeah. Do, do you think there's <clears throat> there's a gap in the understanding and, and knowledge and just how critical selling is and, and that, you know, being good at selling is how important that is to success in uh, in our business. That's something we're we're missing maybe a little bit here compared to as you say in the US, where we we don't really value it as much. Oh, we definitely don't value it as much. I love meeting people who want to sell more. They get it, but most people don't look at it that way. So I, I speak a lot of events in America, whether it's Salesforce or Lead Feeder or Lead Forensics. A lot of these events, a lot of the Americans I speak to, they're investing between. Let's put it in euros. Uh, say twelve to fifteen thousand euros a year on personal development, on sales coaching, going to conferences. Whereas in the UK and Ireland, people are only spending between two and three thousand euros a year. It tends to be one day's training, or half a day's training, and maybe a one day conference. And that's it. They have no other training. And you'll know this from from Timney Leadership as well. You want to be good at anything. It requires regular learning. It requires. You don't just learn twice a year or once a year. You have to be learning regularly. That is how you get good at anything in life, not just sales, but anything. It's through regular practice. And that's why I run a successful business. It's not because I'm a genius, because I'm not. It's not because I'm super smart, I'm not. I'm just consistent every single day. And I'm always trying to get 1% better every day. And I always get try to aim for my clients to get 1% better. It's all baby steps, it's all slow progress. But that's what you do. It's how you make progress in anything. It's daily learning. And and there isn't a, there seems to be a little dichotomy here between what, on the one hand, everybody selling, but on the other hand, you know, you talk about it as a sales as a profession and something that continuous learning and continually improving. And and clearly, some people come across as having you know, other natural salespeople, <laughs> but. How does that how do we resolve that dichotomy because it, it sounds like we are all selling all the time i always say to people look sales is the foundation of your business and if you want to grow your business and have success which most business owners do you have to understand sales that's absolutely vital and you have to be learning about it so if i take let's take my family for example my mother's a physio she spent years learning and studying. My brother's a tennis coach. He spent years learning and studying. He still goes to Wimbledon every year. He still watches tennis matches all the time. He reads tennis books all the time. Uh, my brother-in-law, my father, both doctors, they spent nine years learning. My father, until he retired at 73 years old, was still going to conferences every year. I mean, it's incredible. And so I, I'm very lucky. I grew up in a household where, where it was encouraged, not necessarily school, but learning further development, further learning, daily practice. These are things you have to be doing. And when I work with people who maybe haven't sold much before or have sold a bit more to do better, I implement daily learning into their habits. It's only maybe five minutes a day, which by the way, everybody can afford. 
Everybody can afford five minutes a day. But it has to be daily because that's how you learn. You don't learn doing something once every few weeks. You don't get better. If you want to lose weight, you don't go to the gym twice a year. <laughs> says the overweight man giving advice you know you don't go to the gym twice a year you yeah. go to the gym regularly it has to be regular practice that's how you get better and sales is how you get better sales is just it's more than that i feel sales is just a brilliant example of business because you learn so many skills you're learning listening you're learning question techniques you're learning emotional intelligence you're learning negotiation you're learning to be centered you're learning to deal with severe pressure i mean sales you learn so many skills when you're selling as well. It's not just closing a deal. That's a big mistake people make. They think sales is about closing a deal. It's not. Sales is about helping your customer win. That's, the, that's what selling is. It's helping other people get results. And it's the old Zig Ziglar saying, you can have everything you want in life if you help other people get what they want. I'm a, I'm a great believer in that. There's a, there's a lot of crossover between sales and personal development that most people don't realize. And because I'm, I'm a personal development junkie, <laughs> I, I mix the two together quite a lot. Well, that's, I mean, that, that kind of brings up, reminds me of, um, I noticed you, you've changed the, that old Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross line about always be closing to always be caring. And uh, can, you, can you talk to us about that? I mean, that does seem to tie into what you're saying there about it's, it's not about closing the deal. It's about really meeting what your customer, customer needs are, your clients' needs are. So true. Like Larry Glenn Ross and more recently the Wolf of Wall Street have caused so many problems in the world of sales <laughs> because people think it's real. Young people, so many young salespeople, you ask them, what are your goals in life? Because the Wolf of Wall Street is say, you do know that's not actually real. It's a movie, okay? But that's the thing. People get carried away by it or in many cases scared by it because they think you always have to be closing. And really always be caring is a much better example. So... I'm not sure if it was Roosevelt or Abraham Lincoln. It varies depending who, what Google page you look up. But there's no saying people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is so true. And I want to give you some examples because it's not just good enough to say do this, do this. I think it's important to give case studies and examples. So, um, okay. So I have a client in Buckinghamshire in England. And they're a regular client. They work with me every two weeks. And then one week, one of the staff members was raising money for cancer research, he'd lost his mother. And I said, look, I do loads of charity work in my free time. I'll be happy to sit down with the team. Let's, let's work out ways we can raise money. And I did about an hour session and I gave him loads of advice. And afterwards the director said, how much do we owe you? I said, don't owe me anything. This is charity work. I do it because I, I want you guys to do really well. That's called caring. That's giving loads of extra value for a client. I didn't say, by the way, I've helped you for free. You owe me a favor. <laughs> I'll call upon you one day. Or Godfather style, one day I'll call upon you and you know, I want the favor returned. I don't know when that will be. No, I didn't do any of that. It was just me genuinely wanting to help them. Because charity work's important to me. I did that. With a lot of my customers, um, I will often just give an extra half hour here and there, extra value. I don't charge for it, but that shows that I care. Because ultimately, you have to have your client's best interests at heart. Because people can often tell. And you don't just do what you're hired for. You always got to over-deliver. You know, it's like what Jim Rowan says, always do more than what you get paid for. It's a, it's a great philosophy in life and business as well. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Very true. Why Why do you think are so many of us uncomfortable selling when so many of the attributes you, you, you described there of a good, good sales are just ordinary human habits that we, we, we all want to develop? Good listening, 
empathy and so on? I think the problem is, Ronan, people have had bad experiences. Mm. I mean, if the only experiences you have in life are bad, that becomes your learning mechanism. So people have always had the bad call centers. They've had the bad experiences buying a car. They've had a bad plumber come and do a job you paid them for, they've not come back. I know everybody I know has had a problem with a plumbing or a building company who sold something to them, not done the job properly. They've been missold. Everybody's been missold at least a few times in their life, myself included, by the way. So naturally become very cautious and a bit more cynical. But because people don't think about that what they're doing in everyday work is actually selling, they're not aware that when you communicate with somebody, how you communicate is selling. They're not aware that in business especially, it's not what you say that's important. It really isn't. It's the questions you ask. It's how you listen. And bear in mind, it's not what you say, it's what the other person perceives what you say as well. So again, psychology, I've had to read a lot of psychology books. I'm quite lucky. I've got relatives who are psychologists. So I ask them a lot of questions all the time. But you've got to understand psychology. You've got to understand people when you work in sales. There's a lot of crossover between sales, personal development, and business. I often feel the three of them are intertwined. Um, but so many of the everyday skills we have in life are sales skills. Sales is not 10 ways to close a deal. Sales is not selling ice to the Eskimos. The only person who, who does stuff like that, the only person who sells anything to anybody is a con artist. Mm. They really are. Mm. Most of the good salespeople I know have integrity. Mm. You, you do get a few bad ones here and there. You always do. But most often genuinely are good people who have their clients' interests at heart and are always trying to make a positive difference. That's what a good salesperson does or a good sales coach. Now, even being a good salesperson, can, you're, you, you inevitably face rejection. You get the no, plenty of it. And uh, so how, how do you, what do you advise people in dealing with that and not letting it get under their skin? Um, well, being Irish, I was going to say alcohol, but <laughs> that's, that's very good for most things in life, I find. Um, I always recommend you create a vision board. Having a vision board is so important. So one of the first things I do when I work with anybody is I create a vision board with them. And the reason you have a vision board is because whenever you're running a business or whenever you're working in business, you're under a lot of pressure and you get one rejection or a setback or a second rejection or a third rejection, it can affect you. It can affect your mood. It can affect your, you know, you take that mood home to your family. Sometimes there's all kinds of knock-on effects rejection has. It's never nice, by the way. Mm. And the more you care and the more ambitious you are in life, the more hurts and the more pains you're going to have. I know this from personal experience. I know this from seeing other people as well. So having a vision board, here's how it helps you. It reminds you of your why. And we all know that if your why is strong enough, you can pretty much do anything in life. You really can so what does a vision board do? Well, just imagine here, uh, anybody listening, I'm holding up a A4 sheet sideways. So got this sheet and you split it in half. And the first half of the sheet are visual images of accomplishments you've had in life. They can be, or they should be materialistic accomplishments, but also personal. So it can be a partner, a child, dog, your parents, your best friends, perfect holiday, any achievements you've had in life. And the second half of the board is what you dream of in the future. It can be the bigger home. It can be the nicer car. It can be the holiday boat. It can be a golf course where you spend all day. It can be grandkids, whatever it is you want, whatever your dreams are. But again, it should be a mixture of personal stuff and 
materialistic stuff because we're human beings after all, you know? And I look at that, it's on my phone, it's on my laptop screensaver, it's on my fridge and it's by my bedside table. I look at my vision board about 40 to 50 times a day. That means if it's a Friday afternoon and it's three o'clock and I want to quit, I keep going till five o'clock, six o'clock. It means I've, I've had two or three rejections in a row, which sometimes happens. Sometimes I'll lose business because somebody just chooses my competitor who's much bigger and well-known. Not better than me, just bigger and well-known. Or they'll choose somebody who's offered them like a 60%, 70% discount. And that's frustrating if you've spent a lot of time working on something and they choose somebody else. It's going to hurt you. We're human beings. But that vision board keeps me centered all the time. It keeps me focused. And it means when bad things happen, I'm able to cope with it very well. I don't get distracted by much in life. I really don't. I'm very centered and I'm very calm and everything I do. And that's so important. So everybody needs a vision board. They really do. And by the way, if anybody wants a vision board afterwards, just drop me a message. I've got like a, a six page PDF. It's really simple. I just thought it'd be a nice gesture. I'll happily give it out. I can send it to you afterwards, actually, Brilliant. if you want one and you can share it with everybody else. I don't mind. Brilliant. Appreciate that. That'd be that'd be great. Well, I'm sure. Uh, a lot of our listeners are, are nodding their heads at this saying, yes, I'm I'm with you and I'm fired up about the importance of selling my business or my vision or my uh, my service products, maybe even selling uh, within the company to employees, to to senior team about what it is that you're about. But we can be left with the thing. Well, look, I'm fired up. But what about my how do I inspire others to be passionate about sales to 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 not be set back by the rejections and do do does each person need a, a vision board or are there other other ways of doing that to inspire the team everybody needs a vision board and everybody should be having one-to-one -one meetings with their bosses every monday everybody one-to-one -one meetings is something that was drilled into me in 2011 so in 2010 i was working at the guardian newspaper group i had a great career there and to my shock and horror, I lost my job in the recession. It was a 2008 recession, but I lasted until 2010 because I was one of the last few salespeople there. And I was replaced by a graduate, which was humiliating. I was so embarrassed. And I said to the MD, I'm making all this money, but sometimes MDs and FDs get bonuses when they cut costs. And my salary was high, so they cut my cost and replaced me. And that was horrible. But quite often when bad things happen, good things will come out the back of it. And the good thing was I discovered personal development. And I got a coach for the first time in my life. And through coaching, I learned so much. And then I became a manager and then a global manager and then a director. And it just took my career in a different direction. And one thing my first ever coach said to me is every Monday, one-to-ones with your staff. I don't care if it takes all day, you have to do it. And I didn't know any better. So I said, yes. So but every Monday you sit down with your staff or a manager, depending on how big your company is, sits down with different members of staff individually. Depends how big your company is. If it's a big corporate, HR sits with the HR team, marketing sits with the marketing team, sales sits with the sales team. If you've got a company of, say, six people or less, then you have to do that as a business owner. You just do. And I'll explain why. Because on a Monday morning, you have a one-to-one -one meeting with your team. The first five minutes, you sit down, you say, how are you? Don't sit in a flippant or a casual way like you do when you're at the supermarket or a cafe. I mean, genuinely ask, how are you? And just listen. Just listen to what they say. It's like I said earlier, people don't care what you know. People don't care if you're successful business. They don't, they don't care. Staff don't care. All staff care about are themselves. I'm sorry, but they do. All they care about is themselves. So you've got to show you genuinely care. 
that after you've listened to them talk about their week and just for five minutes, you say, okay, great. So what were your goals last week? Okay. And were they achieved? Brilliant. Well, they weren't. Okay. Why was that? Okay. And how can I help support you going forward? What's supporting you going forward? Brilliant. And what are your goals for next week? And what are your deadlines to achieve that? That's how I work with people. And every company I work with, we do this because it keeps people accountable. Accountability is just as important as what you learn. So we do this every Monday morning. It's not done on the Monday afternoon at four o'clock. It's not done on a Wednesday. It's done on a Monday morning. And you get people fired up for the week. People know what their agendas are and what their goals are. And the opportunity is also, Ronan, for you to see, are there any problems? Because everybody has personal problems they bring to the office in one way or another. And as a business owner, you show you care. In most cases, the staff will love you for it and perform better. And that, that's, that's a big deal. Um, whenever I manage staff, they did well, not because I was a brilliant boss. I just really cared. And they knew I cared. And when I worked in corporations, none of my, none of my contemporaries were doing this. None of them were because it took hard work. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and patience, but it make, it's a big deal. They all had vision boards and we all had one-to-one -one sessions. That way I knew what problems they were having. I knew what their strengths were. I knew what their weaknesses were. I could work on it. So that's really key. And the second thing, of course, is when you work on people's goals, even though the company goals are very important to you, they're not really that important to your staff. If you don't hit your targets, eh, they don't, some of them care, a lot of them don't care. They don't. What they care about is getting paid each month. So what you've got to talk about is what are their goals? What are your staff members' goals? What do they want to achieve? Is it the holiday at the end of the year? Is it security over their head? Is it having three months savings in their bank account? Is it having an extension to the house? Is it just to buy a nice secondhand car? You have to know this if you're a small business owner. Mm -hmm. now, if, you, if you're running a big corporate, it's different. You'll have other deputies do that for you. This needs to happen every Monday. And this is where most companies miss out. They're not having those personal interactions. And I promise you, you start doing this, you will see such a big difference. I've been doing this for so long now, it's easy for me to talk about but it just makes a big difference. Very good, very good, very practical, practical advice there. And uh, I suppose just moving, moving a little bit on to the landscape that we're in at the moment, um, challenging one coming out of the, the pandemic. Um, often you'll you'll hear kind of the the typical response as well. Spending is frozen, so yep. you can sell away, but <laughs> we ain't got any money, uh, or it's. Practical things like not not easy to meet people in person. Mm. It's harder to build that trust and relationship that is often key to, to selling. Uh, there's more expectation of doing things online, maybe being able to sell online. So easy to get stuck. But can you have you any any thoughts on that on, on practical ways that at the moment in, in the current uh, situation that we're in that, that people can be more more effective in the way in which they go about business development? Certainly. The most common objection I'm hearing, by the way, when I, when I say I'm hearing, bear in mind, I'm a business owner. So I have to get things to work for me first. <laughs> and when they work for me, then I share it with my clients. When, they, when my clients get results, then I share it with the world. So everything I'm sharing is it's proven techniques. I never share research from a year or two years ago. Because with the greatest respect, a year old research is way out of date. What happens six months goes out of date. It really is. So everything I'm talking about is happening right now. I'm working right now. It's, it's important everybody knows that as well. So the biggest objection right now is I have no budget. Call me in three months. 
Many people don't know when they will have budget again. Some people do have budget. They'll still say, call me back in three months, quite often to test you. But let's just say somebody says, I have no budget, call me in three months. The worst thing you can do is call that person back in three months, because in three months' time, they'll have probably forgotten who you are and why you called. So what I always say, and this works really effectively, I've tried different things, and this works great. I completely understand. Three months, I'll happily call you back. But please bear in mind, the world has changed so drastically. Look how many things have happened in the last three months. So many things could happen. We have no idea. So what I'd like to suggest is, yes, I will happily call you back. But what I'd like to do to help you is just once a week, send you some valuable content in an email or a LinkedIn messenger, whatever you prefer. How do you feel about that? And notice the language I've used as well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to send you valuable content to help you. I promise not to spam you. I can do this by email or LinkedIn Messenger. What would you prefer? How do you feel about that? These these words are very specifically chosen. So what you're saying to the person is, I'm going to be a person of value to you. I'm not going to spam you. Uh, I rarely ask clients, what do you think? I always like to ask them, how do you feel? Because it's very emotive and you often get a better answer from people. A majority of the time I say this, people will say, okay, I don't mind you sending me stuff. Don't spam me, but send me stuff. And then what I do is once a week, I will either put them into my newsletter or quite often I'll be more personal than that. Say, you know what? Here's the biggest article I have on LinkedIn this week. It talks about prospecting. I thought you'd appreciate it. Or here's an article I wrote about mindset. Reaction's been amazing. I thought you'd really appreciate it. Why don't you share it with your staff? So once a week, I'm sharing personal information to help people. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is by the time I call them in 12 weeks time, I have been on their mind for 12 weeks because I'm keeping in touch with them once a week. I don't keep in touch and say, by the way, don't forget about me. <laughs> I don't keep in touch to say, by the way, have you made a decision yet? No. All I'm doing is giving massive value. People, people vastly underestimate how much value you have to give up front. They really do. I give so much value. I really do. And what often happens is after by week six or week seven, one or two clients go, you know what? This is amazing. Let's do something together. And they tend to be the clients that have budgets, but told you they didn't (laughs) because they wanted to see how you reacted. And that's okay. Whereas other clients wait for a full 12 weeks and go, I still don't have an answer yet. And you say, okay, the information I've sent you hasn't been helpful. Fantastic. Who else in the business do we have to influence? Because from my experience, there's often more than one decision maker involved in the process. Who else do we have to influence? Who else can we share this information with? So again, you're getting to the company in a better way. But and in all fairness, sometimes clients will never convert. That's business. Sometimes you'll lose clients along the way. That's business. Sometimes after six weeks, people will say, I'm on furlough. Sorry. Sometimes people will lose their job. That's just business. It's life. There's nothing you can do about it. But if you're giving valuable content each week, Ronan, there's a very good chance after six weeks or 12 weeks, that's going to convert to business. That's been my experience consistently the last year in lockdown. Very good, very good, and that that does move us on to maybe talking a little bit more about LinkedIn, which I know is your your main channel. Uh, just before we do, just to remind people if there's any questions they'd like to to uh, pose to Niraj, do uh, pop them in the Q and A uh, button. But uh, just going on to that of that using of social media, which I know you're 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 particularly focused on LinkedIn, and you produce some fantastic content there on a regular basis. So how are you how are you finding that? Is that is that a good replacement for personal in-person selling or is it something in addition to that you're 
you uh, you you're using as a uh, to help you and in time get back to meeting people in person for me business is multi-platform so i speak to people on the phone i speak to them by email i speak to them on linkedin i speak to them on zoom and eventually thank god face to face you know business is multi-platform so i look as linkedin as complementing face to face not replacing it at all but linkedin is certainly a fantastic platform for me but again, it's taken me years. Again, I've worked with LinkedIn coaches. I've worked with LinkedIn trainers. I've, I've read LinkedIn books. I've studied it. I've spoken about it at small events with eight people and then 10 people and then 20 people and then 50 people and then conferences of 100 and then 400. So again, it's like I said at the beginning, it's all baby steps. But now I'm a LinkedIn trainer and I, I love LinkedIn. And about almost 30% of my business, 30% comes from LinkedIn inquiries. That's very important. So I recommend everybody gets familiar with LinkedIn. They understand the importance of regular posting because you'll be posting at least three times a week, ideally four times a week on LinkedIn. Most of your posts, of course, should be business. But once a week, you should always post something personal. And before we came on uh, the talk here, I analyzed my top 10 LinkedIn posts ever. Eight of them, that's 80%, are personal, highly personal posts where I showed real vulnerability. And 20% the most successful ones for business. That's like, oh my wow. God, was it that high? Because wow. ultimately in business, people buy people. Unless you're a Nike or a Microsoft or, or an Amazon or a big, big brand, people buy people. So you gotta be thinking once a week of doing a personal post. So let, let me give you a really good example. On LinkedIn, if you're doing a personal post, people love people who have to overcome demons or overcome struggles in their life. And December 2019, I just come out of the back of a very painful divorce. Been married 20 years. The divorce was a nightmare. It was so painful. And the house I was moving in, I wasn't ready yet. So I was renting just a one bedroom. It was just hard to find anywhere I could rent for two months because most, most property in England is six months rent. So I had to go off book, find this awful one bedroom flat it was horrible and i spent christmas by myself and 23rd of december and christmas eve i worked through it christmas day three o'clock at a complete breakdown i couldn't take it i was three days not even talking to a human being it was very difficult for me emotionally to cope i just couldn't cope and i became very vulnerable and i called my mother saying i'm i'm really scared i just i'm really lonely i was so lonely and i was broke after the divorce it wiped me out and mom's a, mom's a pensioner and I felt embarrassed saying, I'm really sorry, but can you, can you give me money for a ticket so I can come back home? Because I was living in England at the time. Yeah. And I came back to Belfast, spent a few days with my parents. It was lovely. It helped calm me down a bit. Then I came back to England New Year's Eve by myself, all my neighbors celebrating. I was just by myself in my room. It was horrible. And on New Year's Day, I called Billy Schwer, who's a world boxing champion. He's a... Uh, British middleweight champion, lightweight champion, sorry. Uh, he's from Luton, amazing guy. I spoke at a business event with him actually six months earlier. And I called him saying, look, I'm, I'm really lonely here. My head's a mess. Can you please do some coaching? He did some coaching with me. And I did a post on LinkedIn about how I spent Christmas alone, how isolating and damaging it is, saying, please be aware of elderly people are going through this nightmare. I can't imagine what it's like being elderly and living by yourself and being vulnerable. That's how I felt. Mm. And everybody's going through battles. You have no idea. So please, let's have more kindness in this world. And if you're in pain, please reach out to people. 
and my God, that got something like, I don't know, 15,000 views, over 100 comments, people saying, my God, I had no idea, and you're such a positive guy, we had no idea you were, you were in pain. And so many people messaged me privately, especially men, who said, oh my God, I've been through a divorce. It was, oh my, I went through hell. I know what it's like. And all of a sudden, people didn't see me as being a sales coach anymore. They saw me as being a human being. And that was the day my business just took over. Before then, I was doing okay. I wasn't doing brilliant. I was just doing okay. But all of a sudden, I started doing well. Because people started just talking to me more, communicating with me more, seeing me in a different level through a personal post, something I never thought could happen. And when you have success, you repeat it again. So three weeks after that, my daughter went to Australia on a university exchange program. She's the only family I had in England and she's gone. I did a post of me and her at the airport, say how much I missed her. And that today is still the biggest post, just me and my daughter with a suitcase at Heathrow Airport, how much I missed her and how much I loved her. God, that was difficult. Yeah. Five months she was gone. And, uh, so many parents again said, oh, my God, my child's about to go through that. Other parents were like, yep, I went through that. Her bastard. <laughs> I know what it's like. Yeah. And again, people just connect with me and people who are thinking of doing business with me. Because we all have people rolling in our pipeline who are thinking of doing business with us, but haven't quite said yes for a variety of reasons. They're unsure. Maybe it's a lot of money. You know, there's a variety of reasons. All of a sudden, people start saying yes to me. This guy is a, a human being. Yeah, we get them. So that's why you got to do your personal posts. It's so important to humanize yourself in business. People business is not business. Hmm. Exactly. And that's why I want to encourage people to do that. It's not easy. And you really got to become vulnerable and go to a place that's going to make you a bit uncomfortable. But quite often, it's a post you're unsure about that often becomes your biggest post. So please bear that in mind anytime you yeah. post. Once a week, do a personal post, inspire people about challenges you've had and how you've overcome them. How, how to overcome them. The the thank you for sharing that and 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 obviously it's it's um that personal side as well that comes out. I mean it comes out in, in our conversation today. It's it's so natural and so you and I, I can easily see how people would uh, would relate closely to that. But you know we all have an experience with social media or LinkedIn or where it, it can take a lot of time. I'm sure you as a business owner, you're invested in it. You're, how, how do you avoid it becoming a time sink and yet delivering, using it well to deliver for, for, uh, for your business? Uh, very simple. There's two things I do. One is my social media apps are off pretty much all day long. Um, so I only check at certain times of day. And that's really important because otherwise you can easily spend one hour on LinkedIn easily liking and commenting and posting and thinking oh where's my day gone so you gotta lie certain times of the day so i will spend half an hour in the morning i will spend an hour and a half over lunch and i'll spend half an hour in the evening it's very carefully broken down and that's very deliberate uh but the second thing is on a sunday morning and i do this with my clients because the busiest day of the week for me for coaching believe it or not is a sunday because most business owners are too busy during the week so i spend sunday mornings and sunday evenings that's when i do my coaching because that's when my clients have time and we, we always set aside one hour. And that one hour is, okay, what experiences have you had this week that you can talk about in LinkedIn? Okay, and how are you gonna deliver that? Because you shouldn't deliver stuff in the same way. So I encourage everybody to, have, to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, underneath the about section, you have featured. Underneath featured, you have activity. Click on activity, click on post. You can see all my posts in the last month. Have a look at them. Some are video, 
Some are text only, some are text with posts, some are PDF documents, some are polls. My posts are so varied. You've got to mix it up. You've got to get people's attention. You've got to be interesting. But I'm always talking about different subjects as well. In all fairness, Ron, and everything I talk about is based on experience. Anyway, because I'm a business owner. As a business owner, you're going to have so many different experiences anyway. You're always going to have things you can talk about. You are. But don't, for goodness sake, do a press release. A press release is boring. You know, it just, it doesn't inspire anybody. Enter the conversation in your client's head. That's the best advice I can give you. Everything I do is relatable. And you can see the comments people give. I mean, sometimes I get 20 comments, sometimes 30. Yesterday, I've had about, I think, 70 comments in my post yesterday. All it said was, how important are your followers? Because people are often obsessed, obsessed with having big numbers on social media. Yeah. And I always say big numbers are not important. It's the quality of those followers and how you engage with them. That's way more important. I know people with 30,000 LinkedIn followers who get no business, no inquiries, nothing. I have 9,000 followers. I get inquiries. I get engagement. So don't worry about numbers. Think about quality. But people get that because people think about numbers all the time. So always think about the conversation. Think about what people are going through. And that's what you write about. Right. Don't chase the likes. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. It's very easy to chase the likes. Yep. It's very easy. It's nice for your ego. It's nice to have a little massage, nice little pat on the back. But egos... Sorry, likes do not pay the mortgage. mortgage. They really don't. It's the comments and it's the direct messaging in LinkedIn. That is where business takes place. It does not take place necessarily in public. Very good. Well, gee, we've already reached our time. <laughs> we've so much more we could we could delve. There's in. so much we haven't covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, look, thank you very much for that. Um, where where can people find out more about your books and your coaching? Uh, the books are available on Amazon. Okay. Um, everybody wants the sales. It's not, yeah, it's not three years old. I can't believe it. Still, after three years selling, the first book's done great. In fact, the first book's done great because it's storytelling, it's emotion, it's taking you in this big, big journey of my life working in London. Whereas my second book's just as good, but there's no storytelling. It's just, you want LinkedIn? Go to this page. You're yep. doing a presentation? Go to It's very functional and very helpful, but it just didn't take off. Even okay. though it's just as good because it shows the importance, again, of storytelling, overcoming barriers, overcoming problems. So the books are found on Amazon. If you want to connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to have a, a PDF about getting results in 2021, it's just like a 10-page PDF, really simple. Just go to everybodyworksinsales.com. Uh, if you have any questions, you want to understand more about sales, just drop me an email, mayoraj at everybodyworksinsales.com. But most importantly, for daily learning, Go to YouTube, type in Everybody Works in Sales, and subscribe to my channel. It's free of charge. And there's about 60 videos there. They're all about 90 seconds, two minutes each. One will be on how to listen better. One will be on how to protect your mindset. One will be on how to learn, why you should learn every day. It's just two minutes a day. That's it. That's all you have to do. And you'll be amazed if you watch one video a day and you implement it. It's not just learning, by the way. It's taking action as well. Yeah you'll be amazed at the difference it makes. And if you really want to scale your business to the next level and really understand sales or LinkedIn, just, just get in touch on LinkedIn or just, you know, uh, drop me an email. It's the best thing to do. Okay. Well, look, thank you very much Niraj, for that. That's super. That's uh, been most, most interesting. And I'm sure uh, people can, can avail of those resources um, and get in touch with you if they, they'd like to go further. 
Great. Well, we'll wrap it up there. I just want to uh, flag a couple of events coming up in the uh, in the near future. So next week we have um, privilege to have Rory MacDonald from uh, the Harvard Business School returning. He's a protege of the world renowned management expert Clayton Christensen. And Rory will be exploring the topic of how organizations can innovate successfully in these these challenging times. So uh, we're looking forward to that on, on Wednesday next. We also have just opened up our application process for the 2021 Advanced Leadership Program, which this year will be starting in September. And if you or a colleague of yours be interested in, in uh, taking ownership of your, your learning journey in, in the year ahead, uh, now is a, is a good time to, uh, to get in touch. And uh, then later in April, we'll be joined by uh, Joe Pons. He'll be coming back for a masterclass case discussion on just how many touch points with your customers make sense. So where, when is diversification worthwhile and, and maybe when it, when it is not. So we look forward to, uh, to seeing Joe back, um, back then in April. More details be available on that. And then finally, just to, to remind you, our podcast um, channel is up on, on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and all the other channels as well. Please do go and, uh, and check it out and subscribe if you'd like to, to, uh, to hear the weekly updates from that. And, and if you like what you're hearing, obviously do, do uh, rate it as well. That helps spread the word to, uh, to others. So look, thank you very much. Thank you, Niraj, for, for joining us and being so generous in, in sharing your insights. And to Claire and Alison as well for putting uh, today's uh, webinar together. We look forward to, to seeing you again in the future. Many thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Timony Leadership Institute. Better people, better organizations, better society.